Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, April 11, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. Sarah Abbott is working from the heartland of Nebraska. Not for long, however. We'll get more to that another day. I'm Buster only working from my home just north of New York City. Still working off a high after the first weekend of games there was so much to see so much to talk about we'll be able to do that coming up with tim kirchin and sarah langs we'll be talking about for example the blue jays and the rangers who kept trading leads over the weekends in big leads the blue jays yesterday built an enormous lead with help from matt chapman the one-two pitch there's a swing and a shot straight away center field white gets to the wall turns around it's out of here with his first home run as a Toronto Blue Jay. It's a biggie. Straight away center field, a three-run shot, and the Blue Jays have a 4-0 lead in the first. Sportsnet 590, the fan. But the Rangers would come all the way back. And the pitch. And that's hit out into left field. Gurriel will not get to it. It falls for the base hit. Miller being waved home. The throw goes to second. Opposite field RBI single for Corey Seager. The Rangers now lead for the first time today, 7-6. to six. That from 105.3. The fan, the Rangers win that game 12-6. to six. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com or stop by. You know who didn't get it done? The Yankees and Aaron Judge in their contract negotiations. We learned about that on Friday when Judge and Yankees general manager Brian Cashman announced in separate press conferences that they had failed to reach a deal. Here's Brian Cashman. It's uh, concluded, unfortunately, uh, we'll be in a a one-year setting, a yet-to-be-determined number. Um, You know, we obviously had a extended conversation over the last three weeks or so uh, with Paige O'Dell and I, and I've actually had a conversation with uh, Aaron Judge briefly as well, but uh, we we're unsuccessful in concluding a multi-year pact. Um, obviously, our, our intent is to have Aaron Judge stay as a New York Yankee as we move forward, and I know that's his intent as well. The Yankees offered a seven-year, $213.5 million deal. Aaron Judge looking for a lot more. Here was Judge. You know, every day is a gamble. You know, stepping outside your house is a gamble. Um, but like I said, I was – very few people get this opportunity to even stock, talk an extension. Um, so me getting this opportunity is something special, and I appreciate, you know, the Yankees, you know, wanting to do that. Um, but, you know, I don't – I don't mind going to free agency. Tim Kirchin and I are going to be talking about that decision coming up. Uh, over the weekend, the Red Sox signed pitcher Garrett Whitlock to a four-year extension worth nearly $19 million. On Sunday Night Baseball, the Yankees had an opportunity to sweep the Red Sox. The Yankees were down early 3-1, to one, and then this happened. A 1-1. Swag and a line drive. Base hit left center field. In to score, Kyder Falefa. On his heels, Trevino. Throw is cut off. Rizzo knocks in two. And we're starting over, tied at three. 
That, of course, the voice of the great Boog Shambi, who was working on Sunday Night Baseball with Doug Glanville. It was three all still, top of the sixth inning, Bobby Dahlbeck at the plate. And a pitch. And Bobby Dahlbeck swings and lifts one in the air. Well struck, right field on its way, and it's gone. Home run, Dahlbeck into the bleachers in right center field. And the Red Sox have retaken the lead. It is 4-3. Yeah, final score in that game, 4-3 Boston. The Red Sox salvaging the final game. The White Sox suffered a major injury. Lucas Giolito was placed on the injured list. He's expected to miss his next two starts after leaving Friday's opener, falling four innings due to abdominal tightness in his left side. In Washington over the weekend, tempers flared in that series between the Mets and the Nationals. There was a bunch of Mets who kept getting hit by pitches. 2-2 coming to Alonzo. Oh, oh, is hit. Oh, no. Where to get him? I thought it got him on the shoulder. I thought, it, it, I thought so, too. It might have glanced off his face after it hit his shoulder. I'm not sure. I am. Buck is going to come out and make sure he's okay before I mean, he allows him to go. In fact, he's going to not even allow him to go to first. This is a fluid bullpen. Oh, oh no. Buck Showalter is immediately out. We talked about how this was a really tense game yesterday. And both dugouts are out there on the field. Dugouts have cleared. Bullpens are coming out now. Three Mets hit by a pitch yesterday against the Nationals. It sounded like Buck and Dave had cleared the air. They know that they're trying to find a grip on these new baseballs, and it's just really tough. Played a lot of center field last year when Robles was in the minors, and now Marte becomes the latest Met to get hit by a pitch. That was a 76-mile-an-hour curveball. But the fifth hit by pitch that the Mets have incurred in the first (laughs) 21 innings of the season. Yeah, so that was the byplay between these two teams during the series. I do think there's an impact from this series. I'll be talking about that with Tim coming up. The Rockies and the Dodgers. And on Sunday, the Rockies jumped way ahead. 2-1, drill down the left field line. If it's fair, it's a homer. It is gone. A shot to left field for C.J. Crone. His first home run this year, two more for the Rockies, 5-0 Colorado. And from 8.50 KOA, the Rockies beat the Dodgers in the series finale, 9-4. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, NBA playoffs are upon us, including two games that will air on ESPN, both 9-10 seed games. And uh, to cover all of that, Brian Windhorse and the gang on the Hoop Collective will be getting you ready for the playoffs, as well as Zach Lowe on the Low Post. Check out the Low Post and the Hoop Collective wherever you listen to podcasts. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. 
So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirchin covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, I saw you on baseball tonight, last night, and now I see you in your home. Uh, you traveled back uh, when? Last night? Uh, did, you, did you do one of those ones where you drive overnight and arrive at like three in the morning after listening to the game on the radio? No, that this was an unusual week. I flew there on Sunday morning, and then I flew home on Monday morning. I took the 6 a.m. flight. And I got into my house at 8.30. I took out the recycle stuff at 8.31, and the truck came at 8.32. So, so far, it's been a good morning. That qualifies as a really good morning for a 65-year-old man. Well, and how much were you fretting about making the recycle truck? I drove really fast home from the airport to do two things. Take the recycle out take a shower and then be on your show at nine o'clock. And I, I did them all. So no matter what happens the rest of the day, I'm good. And I know that in terms of priorities, we're definitely below the recycling. I know. Cause I'm, I'm uh, almost as old as you. I know how that goes. You want to get that out of the house. All right. So what's great about the first weekend of baseball is that there is a full menu to draw from. And inevitably we get a lot of overreactions. So I've got about, I got about nine, 10 topics here, Tim. You want to go through them? I'll give you some overreactions and you can laugh at them. You can embrace them. You can or take them any directions. Does that work or for you? You can yell at me about them. So, yes, I'm up for whatever you need, Buster. Okay. Overreaction number one the best player in the world is Stephen Kwan, who so far this year is eight for 10, three walks, no strikeouts, four runs for the Cleveland Guardians. What say you? That is not an overreaction. He is the greatest player I've ever seen. He's been on base three straight games at least three times. No Cleveland Indian has ever done that in the history of the franchise. First three games, reached base three or more times. Five for five yesterday with a hit batter. It's unbelievable what he's doing. We all know he's he's a really good prospect, but for the first weekend of the season, he's the best player in baseball. So obviously I can't be an overreaction. So uh, Taylor, I think we need to introduce like, you know, that family feud X they have up that sound effect. Every time someone says Cleveland Indians instead of Guardians, and that's probably going to be mo- me most of the time, we should hit that button because yes. Tim just did that. Okay. Yeah. Consider oh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to accidentally keep doing that. I, it's ingrained in my head. I will get it right eventually, but I'm sorry that no, n- n- I, they're the Guardians. I just got it wrong, and I will more times <laughs> this week, I'm sure. All right. Uh, overreaction number two the Mets are galvanized, they're coming together. They had this game uh, or weekend uh, series of games in which 
you had uh, guys from Pete Alonso to Francisco Lindor uh, to Starling Marte getting hit by pitches. And Buck Showalter, you know, was led the charge out of the dugout. There's pushing, there's shoving, there's screaming uh, at the Washington Nationals, even though the, the Mets acknowledged that none of these guys probably were hit on purpose. The pitchers were struggling to feel for the baseball. Uh, and, you know, part of this, Tim, I think from Buck Showalter's perspective, it may have been the best thing that happened to the Mets at the outset of the season. What do you think? I agree. When I covered the Rangers in 83, they got in a fight with the Royals. And Doug Rader, who's one of my favorite people that I've ever covered or been around, told me, he said, well, I was hoping we wouldn't get through the whole season without a good fight because he really believes that stuff like that, he believed galvanized the team. I think the Mets were galvanized well before that. I saw it in spring training. I heard it in Buck Showalter's voice. And he told me that Eduardo Escobar wanted to take the whole team out to dinner before that first game in Washington. And Buck said, uh, what do you mean the whole team? He goes, everyone. And Buck said, we travel 70 guys. And Eduardo said, yeah, I know. I want to take everyone out to eat. To me, that's a galvanizing moment. Buck is really good at bringing everyone together, making it us against them. And then when a couple guys get hit like that and the manager comes screaming out of the dugout, I, it sounds corny, but I believe as much as I hate that stuff, I believe in all of it, that something like that can bring a team together. The Mets are on the same page. It's very impressive through three games. I talked to Buck on Sunday morning about uh, the Mets and how he's feeling about it. And he mentioned that, you know, a couple meetings that he'd been uh, scheduled to lead. One was with Francisco Lindor. Uh, you know, he brought him into his office and he had some things he was going to say, because you and I both know there was a lot of talk about Lindor and how he handled the 2021 season, his first year in New York, playing under that huge contract. And Francisco Lindor, before Buck said anything, according to Buck, Lindor launched into, OK, I've got some things to say about last year. And he basically owned it uh, in so many words. And Buck's after he got done speaking, Buck told me he's like, OK, good, we're covered. I don't even need to say anything. Then there was a team meeting. Uh, Robinson Cano uh, stood up to speak and Buck had some things that he had intended to say. Robinson Cano made a really emotional statement. And at the end, Buck's like, well, all that stuff I was going to say, never mind. We're good. Robbie covered it. I, I think Buck is very happy with the way that the culture is developing there, Tim. Yeah, it's always better, as we know. Buster, when a player says something that the manager is supposed to say, and that's when you know your team is coming together, that Buck doesn't have to coerce somebody. You got to get up there and say this. They just do it on their own. Never forget, Buster, Lindor's rookie year, you know, they got knocked out, didn't make the playoffs. He came in and did baseball tonight with us. He was like 12 years old, and he's doing TV, after like few months in the major leagues, he did a spectacular job on that. And don't also forget that, remember when Trevor Bauer threw the ball over the right center field fence and just made Terry Francona furious for doing that? Lindor took uh, took the whole club aside in the clubhouse and just crushed Trevor Bauer in the clubhouse. Young guy taking on a more veteran pitcher and saying, we're not going to do that around here. He's got great leadership skills, and I think we saw it with that little speech that he made to the team. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred gifted Major League players Bose headphones on opening day as a peace offering after a bitter 99-day lockout that delayed the start of the season. 
The overreaction, Tim, would be it'll make absolutely no difference that he did that. What say you? Uh, look, I, I I think he's trying, and you got to give him credit for trying. But I don't think it's going to do make much of difference at all. Um, you know, most people don't. Most players don't like the commissioner anyway. Give me a commissioner that everybody loved. Not Bud Sealing. Not everyone loved Bud Sealing or Faye Vincent or Peter Ubrov. I mean, it's just just the way the job works. And to try to curry favor with some headphones, it's worth a try. I kind of like that he tried, but I don't think it'll do much good. I think it's a great first step. And the key question is, is that what are the following steps? You know, what does he do moving forward? Uh, For example, you know, we've heard that Rob really likes to play golf. I would encourage him, look, fly into, because he's got access to a private jet, fly into a given city on a given day and take three players out and treat them to a local golf course, right? And have conversations playing 18 rounds of golf on an off day. Or, you know, keep uh, rather than go to the golf course on a given day, drop by a ball game and just hang out by the batting cage like you and I do without security around, without press conferences, and just chat with players. That's what I would say to him. Is that reasonable? Yes, absolutely reasonable. And he's a good player. So if he takes three guys out, he should try to beat them too because they'll have a little bit more respect for him when they'll say, hey, he's actually played something. He's done something athletic in his life. He's got a good swing and he shot 79. That's that's how you win people over when you're the commissioner and they are the players. The Tampa Bay Rays and Wander Franco are baseball's only undefeated team, and it's possible they'll go undefeated and they should be favorites to win the American League East. What do you think? Um, that is absolutely true. I got one 62 and zero, and I've got <laughs> Wander Franco hitting 571 for the season. All right, all kidding aside, that kid is great. He we all knew that when he came up last year. He was basically the best guy on the team by the end of the season. And just to see the way he put the ball in play yesterday, bases loaded, infield in, rifles a ball up the middle, scores two runs, way hits the ball the opposite field. He ran down a pop-up Boy, he runs the bases. He is an energy source of the highest order. And of course, they're not going 162 and 0, but they're a very good team. And right in the middle of it is the young shortstop. Taylor, uh, how much do you think their perfect record at this point has to do with the fact that they played your favorite team, the Baltimore Orioles? The Orioles played this weekend? I was <laughs> unaware. Sorry, guys. I can't comment on this. All right. Uh, Tim. The Pitchcom technology, the transmitter that catchers are wearing to transmit uh, signals to the pitcher is awesome. And by the end of the year, 30 out of 30 teams will be using it. What say you? That's an overreaction. Look, I'm a I'm a tired old man, Buster, but I always thought it was kind of cool when the catcher got back there and signaled to the pitcher that really kept them on the same page. I know you reported this last night. You put an emphatic couple fingers down there and you're telling the pitcher, this is what I want you to throw. I think that still matters. I think it also matters that our our best, cleverest base runners can steal a sign from second base with their own eyes, like Ted Simmons did and Paul Molitor did, and relay it to the hitter if he wants it. Now that is gone too. 
Um, the Braves, when I saw him opening night, Brian Snicker, you were there, said, look, no, we're not doing anything with that and just kind of ended it. But David Bell, who's about as big a throwback as you'll see, an old school veteran kind of guy, he said, I wasn't in favor of it, but now it works. And if it does indeed, Buster, improve the pace of play, then count me in. Because as David told us, the catcher is already signaling to the pitcher as the ball is coming back. This is what I want you to throw on the next pitch. So I'm willing to take a look at this. I just don't think it's a great idea yet. We're going to need to see if it works for a full season. Beyond the uh, potential advantage of not giving away signals, the whole sign stealing thing. I do think the pace of play potentially is an issue. We saw over the weekend that the the Yankees and Red Sox uh, there was an issue with that. The Red Sox hitters felt like they were being rushed by the Yankees pitchers because Kyle Agashioka wears his transmitter. He seems to have gotten found the best possible placements for this transmitter, Tim, which is right above his right knee, and he uses his gloved hand to protect uh, what he's doing in terms of punching the buttons to signal, kind of the way you do with an ATM machine. And they were moving along fast, and the Red Sox hitters were like, wait, 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 I'm not ready for that. If I'm a pitcher, I love hearing that. Right. If you can throw off their timing, all the better. But again, this is a work in progress. But you you know me, Buster. Uh, the less technology, the better for me. I mean, I can barely use my cell phone. It's a miracle when, when a Zoom chat works like this every week. So I think less technology is better for the game, and we're getting more and more of it. And by the end of the year, you're right. All 30 teams are going to be using this. Cody Bellinger is two for 11 so far with one walk and three strikeouts after a terrible spring training, after a terrible 2021 season. The overreaction potentially, Tim, he's in trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's in trouble. I think going into yesterday, he was seven for his last 62, Buster. This is the MVP of the league in 2019. And instead of trashing him, because what's the point? To me, this just points out again how great baseball is, that he could be that good in 2019 and have fallen this far already. And he's still young and strong. And I don't get it. But this is why baseball is so great. This is like an NBA jump shooter averaging 28 points a game one year and shooting 42% from threes. And now he's scoring six points a game and shooting 9% from the three-point line. It doesn't happen that way in basketball. It does in baseball. And it doesn't make Cody Bellinger feel any better. But that's why we love the game. It's so difficult to play. He did get a couple of hits. And sometimes a couple of hits, who knows, can get you going. Two possible overreactions. The Yankees blew it by not giving Aaron Judge what he sought in the uh, contract negotiations, or Aaron Judge blew it by not working out a deal right now, given the fact that the Yankees effectively offered him an extension of seven years and $213.5 million. What say you? Well, I think Aaron Judge should have taken the deal. Buster, he's 30. He's not 25. He gets hurt a lot. And if he's and he's a great kid and he needs to be in the Bronx for the rest of his career. And he could have basically assured that by taking 30 million dollars a year and he chose not to. So 
And, you know, when you give seven years to a 30 year old guy who's that big and I don't care how athletic he is, this is not a game for big position players. They don't last very long. I would have taken the money if I were uh, Aaron Judge and I would have offered the seven years if I were the Yankees. I'm a little surprised he didn't take it. I'm with you. Uh, I, I think Aaron Judge, if I was in his shoes, I absolutely would have taken given his injury history, given the unknowns about you know, where he's going to fall physically uh, as he gets older, you know, and his bat speed slows down. How will that, you know, his uh, his production be uh, affected, you know, given the amount of risk. But I, uh, Tim, I kind of fall more along the lines of we each side did what they felt like they needed to do. And you know what? And that's fine. I, I mean, the Yankees, I know the comps that they used in their the design of the offer that they made, they looked at uh, Bryce Harper who signed a seven-year, excuse me, a 13-year, $330 million deal. The average salary on that annually, $25.4 million. Giancarlo Stanton signed a $25 million a year deal when he was 25. I think Bryce was 26. Mookie Betts signed a deal which has a ton of deferred money in it uh, with the Dodgers. The average annual value of that deal was $26 million a year. Mike Trout got a deal at age 27, which is for $35.5 million a year. The Yankees offered in terms of average annual value in the seven-year offer more than what Betts, Harper, and Stanton got, and less than what Trout got. And what Judge is looking for is north, a little bit north, $36 million a year of what uh, Mike Trout got. Look, I think the Yankees offer was totally fair, and it's also completely the prerogative of Aaron Judge to bet on himself. But, man, is he taking a risk. Yeah, and I was also okay with Brian Cashman coming out and saying, this is what we offered. He needs to make sure his fan base knows we love this guy, we want to keep this guy, and we made a competitive offer to keep him. The Blue Jays' offense is really good, and their pitching is terrible. They scored 20 runs, Tim, over the weekend against the Rangers, and they allowed 23. Where do you fall? Well, I fall that they're going to hit 300 homers this year. I fall that they're going to probably score 900 runs. They're going to be the most fun team to watch because they are a devastating offensive team. Athletically young. Oh, my gosh. It's breathtaking to watch. They're going to pitch way better than this. Jose Barrios is a very good pitcher. He had a terrible opening day. So and I'm not worried about Hinjin Ryu or anybody else. They're going to pitch way better than this. And they're going to score five runs a game. That's how good that the Blue Jays look to me. Nolan Arenado drove in seven runs over the first weekend of games. He's going to destroy Hack Wilson's record for RBI in a season, Tim. That's the overreaction. You buying? I'm not buying. 191 is out of control. And since RBIs are no longer important... Someone still needs to explain that to me. Uh, we won't even pay attention to it if he has 100 at the All-Star break, like Juan Gonzalez did once or twice, and Hank Greenberg did. So 191 is way too much. No one's going to drive in that many because uh, we just don't we just don't put the ball in play enough. We strike out too much for anyone to have an RBI total like that. But he's a great player, and we're sure seeing it right away. The Braves players were given their championship rings on Saturday. There's a lot of bling in there. They actually have the part where it opens at the top. And when you do that, then the stadium that's contained inside the ring, the lights 
light up. My son, Jake, who is a Braves fan, says they might be the best championship rings ever. What do you think? Um, I'm going to say yes for this reason, because it was a tribute to Hank Aaron. There were 755 diamonds in there and 44 emeralds or whatever. Hank, of course, wore 44. 755 is his home run total. By the way, when he played an old timers game, one of the uh, a writer came up to him, wanted to interview him or a, a TV guy and said, Tell us about that famous 755th home run that you hit. And <laughs> Hank had to say, well, most people want to talk about 715, but I'll tell you about 755 if you want. So, yes, I love the ring because it's a tribute to the greatest brave ever and one of the five greatest players ever. So yesterday I bumped into Hensley Mullins, who's the assistant hitting coach of the Yankees, as you know, He's got three championship rings from his days with the San Francisco Giants, the 2010, 12, and 14 championships. And I asked him what he thought about the rings. Tim, he loved the fact that it opens up. And he was asking, how in the world do they create this uh, device where the lights in the stadium light up? And so he was quite impressed with the ring. And if Hensley Mullins likes it, that's good for me. And that ring weighs more than I do. I, I weighed it. It's incredible. (laughs) All right, Tim. Thanks for doing this. Great to talk with you. All right. Thanks, Buster. I'm going to take out the trash now. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, a reporter and a producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's all baseball all the time now. So this is, you know, this is what I'm used to. Very glad to be back here. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, I got back to the house about 1230 last night. Uh, Jake, my son, is uh, on spring break. He was playing a game, and, and and it was cool to talk to him about, hey, tomorrow night, let's watch some of that Blue Jays-Yankees game. You know, yes. just to look forward to, you know, the next story, the next day's, uh, the next day's saga. It's pretty cool. 
Absolutely. It's just great that we're already into the second series we're looking at. And that's going to be an outstanding series. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've already talked plenty about the Blue Jays, but they were really interesting to watch this weekend. We saw some pitching issues. It's going to be interesting what happens against the Yankees. All right. So over the weekend, the Atlanta Braves players got their rings and the broadcasters also got rings. And so I was thinking about this in regards to you. You don't work for a particular team, but let's say you were on the Braves broadcast uh, team uh, and you got a ring as big as the one that they got. Sarah, how much would you wear that ring? Zero percent. I mean, the rings are really cool. And I know it's a thing every year. I mean, if we compare to how they look 10 years ago, it's entirely different. But I feel like that's the thing you put in a safe somewhere. And then, you know, you look at every now and then you bring out when your best friend from high school comes to visit for the first time in 20 years, something like that. I mean, I personally, it would be too heavy. I wouldn't even be able to keep it on my hand, but really cool rings. But uh, I don't think I would be able to quite sport that. Taylor, if you got a championship ring like that, how often would you wear it? Because I get the feeling you would be the dude who wore it 24-7. Buster, you know me too well. I'd be wearing that <laughs> thing at the grocery store. Uh, no question, into the office every day. Uh, holidays, for sure. Special occasions. I mean, that's a given. But um, yeah, all around town, everyone would know me as the guy with the the weird giant ring, you know? Yeah, you'd be wearing the ring all the time. And that and combining with your uh, legendary drinking skills, I'd be over under on how long you would actually be able to hold on to that ring. It would be less than a year. Mm, you know, mm. I, it's it'll be in the same category as my re- wedding ring and my nice watch. Like when when the drinks come out, those things go away to a safe place. We have a system yeah. over here, Buster. It works. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Sarah Abbott, what about you? If you had a championship ring like the Braves ring, how often would you wear it? Oh, I'm with Sarah. I would absolutely lock that thing in a safe somewhere, bring it out when family or friends were visiting, but I have a chronic issue of losing jewelry. So I would be too terrified and I'm clumsy. So that's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) Oh man. It, uh, it would be, I wouldn't even, I don't think I'd even put it on ever. Uh, I'd probably sell it for some piece of land or some, uh, you know, a couple of cattle or something like that. All right, let's play the numbers game, Sarah. Number three. Number three is 100. So yesterday, Hunter Green made his MLB debut for the Reds, and we were all watching baseball savant, watching the score bug on the TV, looking to see how many times he would hit 100 miles an hour. He is a legendary fireballer so far in his career, and this was his debut. So he threw 20 pitches at 100 miles an hour, which is already 10 more than any other red starting pitcher in a career in the pitch tracking era, which is since 2008. The only other red starting pitcher who had even touched 100 was Luis Castillo 10 times in his entire career. Green was the ninth pitcher or um, excuse me, it was the ninth time that a pitcher for at least 20 hundred mile an hour pitches as a starter in a game in that span. I, I corrected myself there because of course, Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard each did twice on that list, but joining a list with deGrom, Nate Valdi, Jordana Ventura, 
Syndergaard, James Paxton, and Sandy Alcantara. And this is just the beginning of what we're going to see, but I'm going to be fair, and the Braves fans are going to like this. He also gave up a home run on a 101-mile-an-hour pitch to Matt Olson, Matt Olson's first home run in a Braves uniform. That was the second fastest pitch that any Braves player has ever homered off of. Eddie Rosario took a 101.2-mile-an-hour pitch deep last year from Bruce Dark Gratterall. Number two. Number two is 13. So this is just one of those really fun things happening at the beginning of the year. We're not going to remember this in three weeks, but I want to mention it now. So the Twins scored each of their first 13 runs of the season via the home run until a Gary Sanchez double where I was sitting at home tracking this and said, come on, Gary, I'm, I'm keeping track here. But according to Elias, that is the longest streak of runs coming only via the home run to start a season for a team, at least in the expansion era. The prior record was nine by the 2018 Rockies. You knew the Rockies would be on this list. 1980 Brewers, 1965 Phillies, and 1965 Red Sox. Number one. Number one is five. So we have to talk about Stephen Kwan, who I need to give MLB.com uh, Guardians reporter Mandy Bell some credit. First game of the season, she messages me on Slack at work and says, this guy isn't swinging and missing. We need to keep an eye on him. And I'm like, OK, Mandy, sure. And she keeps updating me on everything he's doing. And now everybody is taking note. So he had a five-hit game on Sunday in just his third career game. He was the sixth guy since 1901 to have a five-hit game within his first three career games. He joined Yermin Mercedes last year. And before that, the last guy to do it was Cecil Travis in 1933. The other guys on the list, 1918 Red Massey, 1910 Jack Dalton, and 1903 Judge McCready. And I mentioned about not swinging and missing. So there are four batters in baseball right now who are qualified and have not had a swing and miss yet this season. His teammate, Ahmed Rosario, who's taken 21 mm -hmm. swings. Quan, who's had 19 swings. Eloy Jimenez at 18 swings and Ryan Jeffers at 12. I was also very interested by that Rosario one. This is a guy who was 47th percentile in whiff rate. That's swing and miss, and miss rate, uh, I believe, last year. Yeah, so a big step forward for him, for yeah. sure. Uh, Stephen Kwan, a fifth-round pick out of Oregon State. Yeah, it, uh, it'll be in the game I'll be switching to tonight with my son. Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. First up, our pal Katie Casey at Tweeter Bleats writes in, I keep hearing that the Yankees didn't offer Judge enough money. Am I the only one who remembers how often this guy gets hurt? If he ends the season on the IL, I don't think he makes $213 million on the open market. What say you? I, you know, I, I talked to Tim about what I thought. If I was in Judge's shoes, I don't know how you turn down that money. Mm -hmm. Taylor, you want to jump in, Sarah? Agreed <laughs> wholeheartedly. <laughs> What's he Sarah? doing? Yeah, I have no idea how you could turn down that kind of money. I just, especially for his age and how often he gets hurt, I don't understand. 
Yeah, he's a lot older than those other comps that the Yankees used when those guys signed those deals. And I that's what I kept on getting back. I talked to player agents. Every single one I talked to said their advice to their client, if they had been involved in those negotiations, would have been take the money. <laughs> Andrew Campbell at Real Camp Drew is up next. He writes in, hey, Buster, is it too soon for us to start the Anthony Rizzo for MVP in 2022 conversation? The Yankees fans loving Anthony Rizzo over the weekend. Andrew, yes, it's too <laughs> soon. That would have been under the category of an overreaction from the first weekend. <laughs> Big overreaction. He does look great, though, I will say. Like yes. my, my first time I laid eyes on him in spring training, I was like, ooh, he's in better shape than he was last year. <laughs> topic of conversation we've had before uh jr amico at jason amico is next he writes five for five today he's hitting 800 in the big leagues and now bleacher tweets can we give me and dennis eckerley's fellow fremont california native stephen kwan of the guardian some love in his first major league baseball series we've done a lot of that today uh, we gave them a lot of love as you heard Terry Jackson at Terry Jacks is next. She writes in as a lifelong Braves fan. I was looking forward to a W on opening day. The new pitch call technology can be accessed by the infield and makes pitching go quicker, right? Do you think it gave the Reds a significant advantage? It seems like it does. I absolutely believe that it does. And I think some of the teams that are reluctant to use it, uh, I think they're going to, to turn the corner on it. You know, the general rule of thumb is, that a pitcher who works faster uh, keeps the hitters off balance. And that's why the Red Sox hitters were complaining over the weekend because the Yankees hitters or pitchers were like, okay, ready to go on the mound. Hey, looking in, staring in. Trevor Story stepped out a couple times like, hey, can you slow this down, please? Last one for today. Justin Simmons at Justin Lance Sim 1 writes in, hey, Buster, is Spencer Strider the Braves closer in waiting? His stuff looks fantastic, and he was locating his pitches. His situation reminds me of when the Braves had Wagner closing but brought up Kimbrell to serve as an understudy. I would agree with that when we say as a closer in waiting, I think he would wait beyond 2022. But he looks phenomenal. The short arm release, I think, is the really deceptive for hitters to deal with. Throwing 101 miles per hour at the top of the zone. Incredibly impressive. And I told my son, Jake, texted him from that game uh, in Atlanta last Thursday, like, you need to pick up Spencer Strider. And he did for his fantasy team. Hey, actually, Buster, real quick, since we talk trash at the top of the show here, uh, I'm moving out of my house right now. And since, you know, you're I feel like you're a an able-bodied homeowner. You take care of your things. You're a member of the community and don't just litter everywhere. I have a bunch of trash in my house now. Should I leave it out for the garbage man and hope he takes it? Or should I find another uh, way of disposing of this? What do you think wow. is the better move? Because you know, you could. Uh, I might drag it all out there. They might not take it. Then I got to drag it inside and then I got to figure out what to do next. You have to sort of work within the bounds. You can you can stretch it a little bit. Like I think generally speaking, the, the garbage folks, maybe Tim Kirchner's garbage folks wouldn't pick up their garbage. Here where I live, uh, just north of New York City, I think they would. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's your feel from the neighborhood in terms of whether or not they'd pick up you know, something that's a little outsized? Not a lot of big stuff in the neighborhood, although I will tell you, I did bribe the recycling man one time to take a lot of stuff. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm prepared to do that as well, you know, um, just to get anything off my hands. So I think I'm going to try it. I'm going to be really annoyed. I'll let you know if, it, if they don't take anything um, on Wednesday. Okay, you don't need to let me know. Just deal I'm with gonna. it. No, I'm gonna. <laughs> Sorry. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. 
Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.